Well, if you're tracking with our DBR, which hopefully you are, because Mission 66 is over, but the whole goal of Mission 66 was to continue, right, the habit of reading your Bible daily. Well, in Ephesians chapter 4, which we just spent some time in, we read this in verses 11 and 12. And he, God, gave the apostles and the prophets and the evangelists and the shepherds and the teachers, and then verse 12 says this, to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ. And in fact, if you uh, know very much about the institute across the street, I don't know why I said institute weird, but institution, institute, Compass Bible Institute across the street, uh, you know that that's our purpose. That's our our theme verse right there, verse 12, to equip the saints for the work of ministry for the building up of the body of Christ. Well, in that program, we have some residents as they are known, and one of them is here to preach to you tonight because we value uh, training up men, godly men who are able to handle the word. And so I'm excited about him for a few reasons. Number one, he's only the second Abram I've ever met, and the first one was in the Bible. So it's, yeah, yeah, it's legit. You guys, it's not Abraham, it's Abram, okay? So there you go. That's, that's benefit number one that you get. Number two, he and his wife Lillian, they've got a big family too. They've got four kids at home. So uh, she is here tonight with him, but the four kiddos are at home. And so dad is here uh, to, to preach to you guys. And he is uh, uh, third, and, and most importantly, he's a, a man who loves the Lord. And he loves the Lord uh, passionately, devotedly. He and his family are coming to Texas with us on the church plant, so we are excited for that. So therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only is in my presence, but much more in my absence, give your ear over and your attention to Abram Kim as he comes up to share the word. Pastor PJ, um, so I've seen Pastor Lucas do this as an introduction uh, to have a photo of your family. So here's our family, uh, four kids. And uh, you probably won't find this photo in our social media feed, all right? Um, but the reason I, I show this photo is uh, you see in their faces, uh, all six of us really, some desires, all right? It's a snapshot, and uh, actually to... Pastor PJ's point, this was in Texas. It's at uh, uh, Founders Classical Academy in Frisco, where we plan to meet next year. And to give you a little bit more context of the temperature there, this was about the third or fourth week straight of triple digits at that time, at the end of July. Uh, The the screenshot there is actually 5 p.m., and it's 100 degrees. And the low is in the 80s. Okay, so, um, so you can feel for our kids a little bit and uh, not be so harsh with them. But in that photo, you see the kids' desires. Some want to get out of the sun. Some are doing their best to smile and take a good family photo. And uh, um, I wonder what your desires were at that age. Some of your dreams, some of your hopes, and even now thinking about how that might have changed as you grew up. You know, and our, our oldest, he just turned 10, so he'll be where you guys are in, in, in the blink of an eye. And uh, um, there were dreams and desires that they had as kids. I'm sure you do, you did as well. And your dreams and desires might have changed. Maybe they stay the same. I don't know what those are, but some synonyms that we might think of when we think of desire, motive, passions, 
wants worship. You see, what are the things that bring you joy? What do you like to do? What gets you excited? What gets you spending hours and hours and time flies by? It's because you enjoy that, whatever that might be for you. So we need to think beyond just the activity. We need to think about our motives. Why is it easy to spend time on the things we love? We were created to worship. We were cre- your desires determine your behavior. Your motives move you to action. And as we continue in Philippians, if you can turn in your Bibles to Philippians chapter 2, we'll continue where Pastor PJ left off last week. And Paul continues to unpack this, this idea of working out your salvation. And what does it mean to work out your salvation? How do we work out our salvations? And Paul continues where we left off last week. And I trust you're, you've turned to your Bibles. I'll read it for us. Philippians chapter 2. Do all things, meaning everything y'all do. Right? I'm, I'm using the ESVT, right? English Standard, Standard Version, Texas style. Everything y'all do. These are all plural pronouns, right? And verbs. Do without grumbling or disputing. I like, I like CSB's translation there. They say arguing. That's a similar idea. And that basic idea there, right? Uh, earlier in chapter 2, we talked about Paul, having, Paul exhorting them to have the same mind. And here's the opposite, right? Arguing is the opposite of having the same mind. You have different ideas, and there's compete, competition in your thoughts, arguing. Do all things today without grumbling or disputing. So that you may be or continue what God has started in you to be blameless, meaning above reproach. Your reputation, your, your identity is to be blameless, not sinless, not perfect. But when people think of you, the first reaction they have is that you are blameless, pure, innocent, unmixed with the world. You are children of God without, without blemish, without fault, in the midst of a crooked and twisted or perverse generation, among whom you shine as lights in the world, holding fast or holding forth the word of life, the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. So that in the day of Christ, that future day when we'll receive our judgments, I may be proud that I did not run in vain or labor in vain. Paul wants to make sure that his labor, his efforts to the Philippian church was not empty, was not in vain. Even if I am to be poured out as a drink offering. Now, there were many offerings in the, in the Old Testament. Right? And the drink offering, if you think of the offering time as a meal to the gods, the drink offering was the, um, was the seasoning. It was, it was to supplement the main course. It wasn't the main course. So here Paul is saying he is, he is the seasoning. He is um, the add-on, the supplement to 
the main course of offering, which is what the Philippians did. Their, their sacrifice, their gift to them, gift to Paul through Epaphroditus, which you'll learn more about at, at the end of the book. That was, um, that was the main thing. Paul is, Paul is uh, encouraging them to say, hey, your sacrifice, your, your service to me, it, it showed, it proved your faith. It proved that you are shining as lights in the, in the, in the sky. And I, I, Paul, am glad and rejoice with you all. Likewise, you also should be glad and rejoice with me. Paul's joy was to see the spiritual growth and maturity of the Philippian, cho- Philippian church. And that joy had to, their joy had to be the same as Paul's of seeking that spiritual maturity, seeking to shine as lights in the sky in the midst of the crooked and twisted generation that we live in. How do they get to this maturity? They need to focus on something today. And that's, that's where we start our passage, verse 14. And to give us an example, in Numbers chapter 13 and 14, we see the example of the, the Israelites. This was uh, after the Exodus, after they left Egypt, and after the ten plagues and uh, crossing of the Red Sea. They go to Sinai. They get God's word. Uh, they, they rebel, build the golden calf, right? But here, here they are at the footsteps of the promised land. Um, and they send out the 12 spies into the promised land to, to check out the land, right? For 40 days. And those four, that number 40 is important later on. For 40 days, the spies go in. They check out the land. And they came to Moses and Aaron and to all the congregation of the people of Israel in the wilderness of Paran and at Kadesh. And they brought forth, they brought the news. This is a great land. God has promised us great things. We brought fruit. And I know some of you guys are, have, have taught in the Kidsmen and probably have taught this lesson of uh, huge grapes coming in. Right? But they also said, the people in there are huge they are warriors. They are giants. There's no way we can do this. Chapter 14 of Numbers, Then all the congregation raised a loud cry, and the people wept. And the people, here's our word, Israel grumbled against Moses and Aaron. So the two spies that still believed that they could do this, right, Joshua and Caleb, they said, In mourning, only do not rebel against the Lord, and do not fear the people of the land, for they are bred for us. This is nothing. Their protection is removed from them, and Yahweh is with us. Do not fear them. Then all the congregation set to stone them with stones, but the glory of the Lord appeared at the tent of meeting to all the people of Israel. What is at the heart of grumbling and complaining? It is personal, unmet expectations. They were, they were thinking they, they would just walk in and uh, be a piece of cake. And Joshua and Caleb still believed that because they had their theology right, that God was on their side. Those unmet expectations, the people of Israel said, this is too hard. I can't do this. 
we can't do this. We're not going to win. Just look at them. It seems too hard. And think about it in your life, something that seems too hard. Maybe not getting your dream job. Um, maybe not finding the friends that you thought you might. Or on the other side, getting the wrong thing and having uh, unmet expectations in that sense. Maybe fear of embarrassment, getting unwanted attention from that person heading your way, wanting to talk to you. It's internal and external, this idea of grumbling. There is truth there, right? Those people were big. They were warriors. They had weapons. But at what point does our, our grumbling and complaining become sin? It is when we have bad theology. When especially the, the truth that God is good. We, in our grumbling and complaining, we believe that God is not good. That God isn't giving us what we deserve, what we want, our dreams, our passions. So what, what, what must we do? We need to, you need to train yourself to avoid grumbling and arguing. This does not happen naturally. This requires work. 1 Timothy 4 talks about training yourself for godliness. What you do today matters for who you will be tomorrow. Discipline today is living out the dreams of tomorrow. And one, one area we can practice this in today, I'm sure, comes from Matthew 18. Hopefully a familiar passage to you. If your brother sins, or sister sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he listens to you, you have gained your brother. Now, if you're not in a conflict with someone, if you're not arguing or disputing with someone, then I would say you do not have enough uh, intimate and close relationships. Okay? And uh, that's another reason why marriage is great, because it, it increases your sanctification. Right? If you guys still live at home, um, I'm sure there's disputes and arguments with your parents or siblings. Um, and if you, if you truly don't have that in your life, if you are not, um, then, then you need to grow in your relationships with others and, and train yourself to learn to live with one another, okay? But praise God, maybe that you are doing well and you are able to uh, work out your differences with, with those around you that are close. Verse 16 is for us then. But if he does not listen, take one or two others along with you, that every charge may be established by the evidence of two or three witnesses. So if you are in a good spot, if you are doing well, and uh, praise God for that, then you be the one to help those that are in need and come alongside them and help them to resolve their conflicts. We are all in this together, right? That was the emphasis from last week uh, by pa Pastor PJ. And here we go, verse 17. If he refuses to listen to them, tell it to the church. Tell it to the authorities in the church, our pastors. They are here to help as well. If you can't resolve it within that smallest group as possible, we need, we need the church involved. We need our pastors and our leaders to help us 
understand what it means to agree in the Lord, have the same mind in Christ. Again, I say to you, if two or three agree on earth about anything they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three are gathered in my name, there am I among them. All right, this is not talking about a prayer meeting, right? This is talking about conflict in the church and finding forgiveness and resolution within the context of the local church. And we are all here to help one another to that end because that is how we shine as stars in this generation. We show the world that we are able to resolve our conflicts with one another. We don't hide them. We don't pretend that they're not there because they are there. But what we need to do is understand what biblical forgiveness is and to clear that debt with one another. And this is all done in Christ. Apart from Christ, we can't do this. But in Christ, we can and we must. Because when we resolve our conflicts with one another, that is a microcosm of the gospel. That is showing the world this is what forgiveness and reconciliation looks like. We were in conflict. We did not agree. But in Christ, we were able to let go of our, ex our own desires and expectations and consider that being with one another, that is more important. Being in Christ, being of the same mind in Christ is more important and so I'm going to, in love, drop this, or we'll work out a solution. Right? And if, if that needs some extra help from your brothers and sisters along, so be it. It's okay. That's what we're here for. We're here for each other. We are to be an ambassador for godly living, whether we are in the midst of the conflict or we're helping out. And I know this verse has been mentioned the past two weeks. Here we go again, Hebrews 12, 1 and 2. And I just want us to focus on two phrases. We are, when we run this race, we are looking to Jesus. He is our aim. He is our goal. He is the finish line. He is who we look to constantly. He is the founder and perfecter of our faith. Check this out who for the joy that was set before him, Jesus' joy, Jesus' goal, what was it? Enduring the cross, despising the shame, because then he will see his exaltation. Right? That was the kenosis passage, wasn't it? He willingly, joyfully went to the cross. That was his mission in life because that was the way to glory. That was a way to bring sinners into a saving place. Ephesians 2.8 in the ESVT, For by grace y'all have been saved through faith, and this is not y'all's own doing. It is the gift of God. As a, team, as a team, as a church, we have this common goal of honoring Christ and doing things His way. There was a negative example of this and again, the Israelites, um, generally, Paul talks about them in 1 Corinthians 10, saying, We must not put Christ to the test, as some of them did, and were destroyed by serpents, nor grumble, as some of them did, and were destroyed by the destroyer. Now these things happened to them as an example, but they were written down for our instruction. In verses 15 and 16 of Philippians 2, 
Paul quotes Deuteronomy 32, verse 5, which says, They have dealt corruptly with him. They, Israel, have dealt corruptly with God. They, Israel, are no longer God's children because they are blemished. They are a crooked and twisted generation. Now look back in verse 15 and 16 and how Paul uses that verse and says, Here, Israel, they grumbled, they complained. But you, Philippian church, look at you. You are his children. You are without blemish. You are, you are set apart from this crooked and twisted generation. You are not like them. You're doing great. Think about our, in Matthew 18, that idea of being a peacemaker, being, helping to resolve one another's conflicts. Matthew 5, 9 says, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Your identity will be as sons and daughters of God if we are known as peacemakers, if our reputation is as peacemakers. Think about the singular identity of Paul. Philippians 1.21. It probably seems like a long time ago you guys went through this, but this is a theme throughout the whole book. Paul says, to live is Christ. That is who I am. That is my identity. I don't want to be known as anything else. I am in Christ. I am for Christ. All I have is Christ. We sang that earlier today, right? And we can sing that, but does our life reflect those words? Paul, I love in in the New Testament epistles how he goes on these, what I call, doxological detours. Um, In Philippians 2, he's he starts talking about have the same mind of Christ, and then he goes on for like another paragraph about all these great things that who Christ is, right? And it goes into that kenosis passage. So so much throughout the epistles we see that in Paul. Does that reflect your prayer life? When you start thinking about who Christ is and what he's done for us, do you just you just keep going and you go on these doxological detours and say, Man, God, you are so great. You're kind, gracious, steadfast, abounding in love for me. Think about... uh, Sorry. So, I missed the point. Sorry. Set your primary desire to be God's child. And that was the whole point. Uh, You see in Paul, you see, I pray in, in yourself... Your true identity, who you are, who you want to be, we need to set that to Christ to be a child of God. So consider what is worthwhile. There is the great, great end goal of, of seeking Christ. But along the way, we'll have other visions, other desires, other goals. Maybe it's, maybe it's marriage. And raising a family. And the call, good call, to be a husband and wife, father and mother. Uh, it, may, it could be in the workplace. It can be even serving at church. Will I do these things as Christians? What, is it, what does it look like to do those things as Christians? And it goes back to point number one. What am I doing today 
Am I understanding what, what a biblical man and woman looks like? Am I being discipled by someone that I want to be one day, where I want to be, in, maybe in marriage or in the workplace? Uh, that Titus 2 example of having older men with younger men, older women with younger women, and growing in godliness, growing with each other in, in these ways. What am I doing today to set my desires so that I truly am a child of God? And where are those relationships around me? Uh, I pray in your small groups and in other places that, that I can continue to grow in being Christ-like. If we all do our part as, as a church, as a ministry, will it not bring joy to you and to those that are caring for your souls? Um, our, kids, uh, our kids have started soccer again this fall, and uh, it's just a joy to see little kids just run around and try to kick a ball and not get hurt and uh, do their best. But when they play with the right attitude, with a joyful heart, is it not a joy for them? And it's also a joy for us as parents to see, wow, they're, they're enjoying themselves, they're playing the right way, they're practicing gentleness and self-control and kindness. And those are the goals, right? It's, it's not so much the... Uh, being the next messy or anything like that, right? It's uh, it's a joy to to see your children grow in in the way they ought to. And so, as Paul concludes this section, he talks about his joy, and we need to rejoice in our increasing Christ-likeness as we do this day by day. We are to rejoice in this because this is the aim this is the goal of the christian life to to be set apart to be lights in this world and that that is where our true joy comes um, in matthew 22 37 through 40 jesus talks about the great commandment right, to love god and love others now i'm sure there's Many thoughts of what love might mean in your life. Let me offer my definition. Love is doing, love is doing the best for the other's well-being. Whatever is their best, that's what I want to do. And, of course, the greatest need of all of us is to be right with God. Right? And, and that could only happen in the gospel and that is why evangelism is so important, right? especially to those that we love, that, those that we cherish. We love them, and so we can't help but share the gospel with them. And we can't help but pray for them constantly. Right? And so do you love those around you? And are we rejoicing in our corporate increasing Christ-likeness? To those in Christ, to those who are walking faithfully and doing this well, excel still more. First, First Thessalonians 4.1. Keep going. We're in this together. We haven't arrived yet. Let's keep going. To those that are struggling with this, find your identity in Christ. Who, who you 
are determines what you will do. If you, if you see yourself as the, the smart one, then, then you, will, you will want others to think of you as smart, right? And all your expectations and all your desires are centered around that. If you're worried about what other people think, and that's what, that's what, that was the problem for Israel. They, they saw around them that their enemies and said, my focus is on, on them. That's what fear means in, in the Bible, right? Our, our thoughts are centered around that which we fear. If you're, if you're scared of spiders, then all you're thinking about are spiders all the time, right? Um, if we fear God, all we're thinking about is God all the time. If we fear others and what they think, all our thoughts are centered around that all the time. What is it that we love? Find your identity in Christ. And remember that there is fellowship and support. We are to build each other up. Right? To those that are indifferent to this message, let me tell you, Jesus is better. Whatever you think, you're, you think is going on in your life, Jesus is better. Because all roads lead to hell. There's only one road that leads to a right relationship with God, and that's in Christ. Jesus is better. Due today, sorry, due today, who you want to be tomorrow. There's this Latin phrase, I think, I think you'll be familiar with it. It's called carpe diem. Have you guys heard of that? Carpe diem. It's usually translated seize the day. All right. I think it goes back early centuries in, in, from a Roman poet. But even secular people recognize the need, for, need to do things today, knowing that tomorrow is not guaranteed. And maybe a modern version of this is YOLO, you only live once. And this idea of um, what are you going to do today? And uh, what, what are your greatest passions in life? Um, we see, you know, our, our kids are starting to get into uh, sports and introducing them to, you know, NBA and things. And we see the professional athletes. We see, um, we see them performing at, a, at such a high level. And we want to be that. But what we don't see are all the hours of blood, sweat, and tears that they've poured in training to be that. And that is what I'm telling you. Godliness doesn't happen at the snap of your fingers. It takes training. It takes purpose, intention. It takes you shifting your greatest desires. That's, that's point number two, right? We've got to set our desires We've got to be purposeful and intentional in seeking to be a child of God. That is how we will grow in godliness, and that is how we will achieve that aim of being stars, shining in the midst of this dark generation. Do today who you want to be tomorrow, and desire Jesus. Worship Jesus, pursue Jesus, love Jesus. Let's pray.
Oh, the depth of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are your judgments and how inscrutable your ways. For who has known the mind of the Lord or who has been your counselor or who has given a gift to you that you might be repaid? For from Jesus and through Jesus and to Jesus are all things. To you be glory forever. Lord, we thank you for Paul's example of joy in the Philippian church. He earnestly desired for them to live to their full spiritual potential. That is the same prayer for us today. Help us to have and maintain a vision, a desire, a motivation to be your children, shining like stars in the sky. To that end, may we consider our heart motives today, our unmet expectations that have led to grumbling and arguing. Help us repent of those sins and pursue Christ alone to be peacemakers and ambassadors of the gospel we say we proclaim. Give us a spirit of transparency and care for one another as we continue to worship you tonight. Amen. Amen. Let's all stand together as we close out our time together. We know that we have so many reasons for us to rejoice and be thankful even when there's difficulties in life. We know that as believers, we're going to go through challenges, but we're called to rejoice and persevere through it all because we can say, hey, I've aligned myself with Christ, no turning back, no turning back. Though none go with me, see. 
of lives devoted to him. And this week, you guys are dismissed now into small groups. Let go.